tonight and turn, if you will, to Numbers 32. Numbers 32 this evening. Numbers chapter number 32. Tonight, still on our journey through the book of Numbers. And um, tonight, we're in Numbers 32. A message I'm calling, follow through faith. Follow through faith. We need to follow through on our faith with God. That's why I brought the basketball. Some of you are wondering why I've got a basketball here tonight. And so, anybody know anything about basketball or anything? Anybody played basketball? Jazzy? Jazzy likes to play ball. So, amen. Amen. A few others here. Uh, Alex, come up here, all right, for a quick illustration right here, all right? Um, you know, um, just stand, stand right over there, okay? I won't throw this at you hard, okay? All right. Um, you know, some people, when they shoot a basketball, they shoot, they shoot like this. Are you ready? Okay. All right. Just, I didn't want to hit you in the face and bust your glasses or anything. I'm going to throw it at you, okay? All right. So, uh, shoot the basketball like this, you know? And what do they do? They, they push the ball. They, 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 they push it like that. And, um, you know... And some people, they try to aim, you know. They're trying to aim it to try to get it in there, you know. That's the way they do it. But whenever you learn anything about basically any sport, okay, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's basketball, it doesn't matter if it's golf. It really doesn't even. Uh, there's even uh, whenever you're uh, practicing uh, with, um, with, uh, with firearms, uh, there is what we call a follow through. And when you don't follow through, um, you're more likely to miss the shot. Uh, sometimes you might see a, um, a, uh, a basketball player, whenever he shoots, he leaves his he leaves his limp, his wrist kind of limp like that. And, uh, and, the reason he's doing that is not just to show off or anything. What he's actually trying to do is trying to follow through. He's trying to get that ball to go all the way in the bucket right there. And uh, when you don't do that, you hold back. You push the ball to the right, uh, or you'll or you'll or you'll shoot it too high or shoot it too low. The same thing with golf. Uh, if you don't follow through, you'll drive, you'll slice it, or you'll drive it to the right. Uh, there's all kinds of problems that happen whenever somebody doesn't follow through. But tonight, what we're talking about here is follow through faith. And we're going to have to learn to follow through on our faith. If God has told us, or if we have been instructed in what to do for the Lord, or if we're asking God for something, and we're asking God, God, would you deliver us from this thing? Note, follow through on what God has called you to do. Don't give up. Don't, don't meet the conditions on what you have been asked to do. Uh, don't say, well, I, I want this from the Lord, but I don't want to do the, the way that God would like me to do. Uh, what's going to happen is you're going to end up missing the shot. You're not going to end up doing the will of the Lord. Thanks, Alex. Follow through faith. In our story here tonight, we have a group of people, two and a half tribes. Their names are Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. 
Now, who would have ever thought that maybe uh, 3,500 years later that a tribe named Gad, I don't even know who they are, you said, would have an applicable uh, thought for me tonight. But they do. Because it's not the Gadites or the Reubenites or, or the half-tribe of Manasseh, but rather what we're reading this evening is the Word of God. The Word of God liveth and abideth forever. Amen? And these things were written aforetime, as Romans says, for our learning. Uh, they were written aforetime for our learning so that we can be better instructed on how we should live as a believer. Follow through on your faith. This passage in Numbers chapter number 32 is also the passage of not just these three uh, particular tribes, two and a half tribes, but this is also the passage where you'll find in it, uh, we'll see it here in just a little bit, a phrase that I'm sure that many of us that have been in church any length of time have probably heard, be sure your sin will find you out. How many have heard that before? Anybody have heard that statement before? Well, this is where you find it at. Be sure your sin will find you out. And we'll see what the context is behind that here in just a little bit. But in our story here this evening, we're going to begin with verse number one. And so it says, Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle. And they saw the land of Jazir and the land of Gilead, that behold, the place was a place for cattle. The children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spake unto Moses and to Eleazar and the priests and unto the prince of the congregation, saying, um, Adaroth and Dibon and Jezer and Nimrah and Heshbon and Eliah and Sheba and also Nebo and Beon, even the country where the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle, and thy servants have cattle. Wherefore they said, said they, If we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for a possession, and bring us not over Jordan. The first point I want to show tonight, this evening, on follow through on your faith is this. Is that number one, we need to consider this, a thought corrected. A thought corrected. Those that do great things for God, ask God for great things. Those that oftentimes will do great things for God, will, will oftentimes ask great things from God first. First, I believe it was uh, William Carey, the father of modern missions, he said, uh, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. And that is kind of the motto right here, I believe, of these, three tri these two and a half tribes. I say it's a thought corrected because these, just to kind of give you an idea here about the story is that these two and a half tribes, uh, this whole, the whole nation was about to cross over into Jordan, cross over Jordan, which is a river, and they're going to cross over this river and God had given them to what the Bible refers to as promised land, promised land. It was a land of promise, okay? But these two and a half tribes ask Moses, can we stay here on the other side of Jordan? And can we have these fields that are here? Uh, they're great for our cattle. They're great for us. And, um, and they're, they're good for us, Moses. Please, uh, could we have this land? Remember, this is the land uh, that was originally occupied by what the Bible names as the Amorites. 
two kings, Sion and Og. And God had instructed the children of Israel to wipe out the, all of the Amorites. And they did so. They did so with a very great slaughter. They were wicked and they were ungodly people. And God commands this nation, the nation of Israel, to destroy them. And they do so. And so there's nobody left in the land. And these two and a half tribes say, can we have this land? Can we have this land? I say a thought corrected, not because I'm correcting the Gadites' thoughts or the Reubenites' thoughts, but because oftentimes, in fact, I did not find, and I feel a little scary saying this, but I'm about to say, but I did not find one commentary that agrees with me, all right? All right? So usually you're wrong when you do that, all right? All right? But what was interesting is this, is that most of the people, in fact, all the people I read, say that these two and a half tribes were out of the will of God. They were out of God's will. These, in fact, are pictures of worldly Christians that don't go fully into promised land that God had promised to them and stay on the other side of Jordan. They're called the Transjordian Israelites, all right? Well, the problem with that thinking is that it's not backed up by Scripture at all. In fact, everyone that I read that gave me that comment did not give me one scripture to back up what they said. And so I began to scratch my head and I began to wonder what's going on here. And I began to read a little bit further back in Numbers chapter number 21, verse number 24. Whenever I told you they smote Og and they smote Sion and the Amorites, you remember that? Well, listen to what it says whenever they finished smiting them, they finished uh, destroying them, and they smote him with the edge of the sword and possessed his land from Arnon to Jabbok, even the children of Ammon, for the border of the children of Ammon was strong. They possessed it already. Number one, verse number 35 of Numbers 21. So they smote him and his sons and all his people until there was none left him alive, and they possessed his land. Deuteronomy chapter number 2 and verse number 24 says this. Moses talking to, the, these, uh, talking to all of the children of Israel about the battle between Sion and Og. All right, This is what his commentary is. Rise up, take your journey, pass over the river Arnon. Behold, I have given you the land I have given. This is God speaking. By the mouth of Moses, I have given into thine hand Sion Amorite, the king of Heshbon, and his land. Begin to possess it. Begin to possess it and contend with them in the battle. Verse 31 of the same chapter. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have begun to, possess, to give Sion and his land. I have begun to give Sion and his land before thee. Begin to possess it. I could take you to Deuteronomy chapter 3. I won't take you through this, but chapter 3, verses 12 through 20. Seven, seven, or nine verses right there that say the exact same thing. And at the end of Deuteronomy we read, and we, and we took their land and gave it for an inheritance under the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. And then, if that weren't enough, Joshua chapter number 13. Verses 8 through 22, Joshua, whenever it's all said and done, Joshua, by the word of the Lord, divides the land for Reubenites, Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. 
And finally, at the end of Joshua, it says, And now the Lord your God hath given you rest unto your brethren, as he promised them. Now therefore return ye, and get your tents unto the land of your possession, which Moses the servant of the Lord gave you on the other side of Jordan. In our, own, in our own text here, right here in front of us, Numbers 32 and verse number 22, notice what it says. It tells us here, And the land be subdued before the Lord. Then afterward ye shall return. Here it is. Look at it. Listen to it. Numbers 32, 30, 22. When you return, we'll talk about when they return, ye shall be, what does it say? Before the Lord. And before Israel, and this land shall be your possession before who? The Lord. And Moses said unto them again in verse 29, If the children of Gad and the children of Reuben will pass over with you in this Jordan, every man armed to battle before the Lord, and the land shall be subdued before you, then shall you give them the land of Gilead for a possession. What am I saying this evening? Well, First of all, I'm saying this, is that when you read a commentary, when you listen to a preacher, make sure, make sure that there's Bible to back up what's being said. All right? You know, if we're not careful, we'll just read something and we'll run with it. We'll say, oh yeah, that was a good thought, you know? Oh, yeah, I can see this. It yeah, makes sense. I mean, they're, they're outside of promised land. And, and uh, I mean, they're worldly. They're not, they, shouldn't have, they should have gone in. They should have trusted God. Praise God. And in the story, they do trust God. They trust God completely. Probably more than any of us have ever trusted God. What I'm trying to say this morning is that, is that or this evening is that God intended for these people to inherit his land. God said, give it to them for a possession. Now, maybe I do think, if you want to say this, they probably could have gone about it a different way. They, they said, let us stay over here on this side of Jordan, all right? That's not exactly what they meant, but it came across wrong. In fact, Moses gets pretty mad at them in verse number 6. For the Bible says, And Moses said unto the children of Gad and the children of, Manah, of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war, and ye shall sit here? And wherefore you discourage the heart of the children of Israel, and go over into the land which the Lord hath given them. Thus did your fathers when I sent you from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. I mean, he is hot. He's mad at these people. He's saying, You think that you're going to sit here while the rest of your brethren go and fight? Nuh-uh. I don't think so, buddy. You got another thing coming if that's what you're thinking right here. In verse number 16, the Bible says this, And they came near unto him and said, We will build sheepfolds for our little ones and for our cattle and for our, for our sheepfolds for our, here for our cattle and cities for our little ones. But we ourselves will go ready armed before the children of Israel until we have brought them into their place and their little ones shall dwell in the fenced cities because of the inhabitants of the land. I mean, they said, hey, that's not what our intentions were here, okay? Hold on a second. Moses kind of overreacts, but he has to correct himself, and he has to point out to him, okay, all right, if you guys will go over and help, then you can have the land. You can do it. What we see here is a group of people that saw an opportunity and took an advantage of it. And they trusted God for the reward. They had a belief that if God wanted, them to wanted someone to inherit the land, then they should be the ones that should do it. And they ask God. That's why I said those that do great things at, at, for God ask great things from God. Expect great things from the Lord and attempt great things 
for the Lord. As, as Kerry said, these two and a half tribes took, up, took God up on His promise. God said, you will possess the land. They said, okay, we'll be the first ones to do it. We'll take it. We'll take it. They were faithful in their plan and they trusted God to take... They, were so, they trusted God so much. Think about this for a second. They said, we'll go and fight. And we'll leave all of our wives and our children behind. We're trusting God to take care of us. There's no men left in the, left in the land. There's nobody there to fight. There's nobody there to take care of the towns and the cities. Maybe they were able to leave a small, uh, small, small group or a small army. We don't know. But the point being is this, is that they were basically defenseless. Because they trusted God and they said, God, if you want us to have the land, we'll have it. And if you want us to go fight, we'll fight. We'll do what you've asked us to do. Genesis chapter number 15 and verse number 4, the Bible says this, And behold, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham, and he said, This shall be thine heir, but he that shall, he, this shall not be thine heir, but that he that come forth out of thine bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look unto heaven and tell the stars, if thou shalt be able to number them. And he said unto them, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. God could have said to these people, Hey, no, right? God could have said, no, you're going over with the rest of us. Okay? No, you're going over with the rest of it, but he didn't. In fact, as I read the scriptures, I did not find one account of God ever telling them that they should have gone over or rebuking them for not going over. Not one. When you have a desire to have faith in God, there will be two certainties, though. Just as I read to you, if you're going to say, hey, I want to do great things for the Lord. I want to have faith in God. I want to serve Him. I want to expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. You know what? Number one, understand this. There's two certainties. Number one, your faith will be tested. Okay? Moses tests their faith. There's nothing like... There's nothing like uh, uh, somebody getting in your face and getting mad and angry at you to test really what you believe. You ever had to get somebody get mad at you over what you believe? Right, that will test your faith. Are you going to back down from that? Are you going to say, oh, well, you know, we really didn't mean that, you know? Moses tests their motives. It tests their motives. He tells them, he says, he says, God's anger was kindled with that generation before y'all. And he said, when they, did, when they did not listen to God, and he says in verse number 10, and the Lord's anger was kindled the same time, and he swear and saying, surely none of the men that came out of Egypt from 20 years old and upward shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, because they have not followed, wholly followed me. He's basically saying, you guys are not wholly following the Lord. You're not doing what's right. You're not obeying God. If you turn away from him after him, in verse 15, he says, he says, he will yet again leave them in the wilderness and ye shall destroy all of this people. He said, if you don't, if you don't go over, he said, you're going to kill us all. He was mad. 
Your faith will be tested whenever you try to do something for the Lord. Anything for God. You go try to tell your neighbor about the Lord. Your faith will be tested. All right? So be tested. You, you, start, you, just, you, start, you start trying to tithe. Your faith's going to be tested. I mean, the, the, I, every, every person I ever known that ever tried to tithe or give to God, the, the first time or the first week or two after they try to tithe or give to God, guess what? The car breaks down. Amen? <laughs> Something bad happens. And, and you're going, well, I thought if I gave to God that he'd give me a whole bunch of money, you know? And my car wouldn't break down. I mean, that's what the preacher said. I don't know what preacher was listening to. I'm trying to tell you your car probably will break down. Why? Because the fact of the matter is this, is that, is that people, or I should say, God is going to test our faith. He's going to test it. Test it. But He's also going to put some conditions on our faith. He's also going to put some conditions on our faith. Notice this. Verse 16. It says, they said, we will go. We will build these sheepfolds. We'll, we'll, be ready to, we'll be ready to do this. We will not return, in verse number 18, unto, uh, unto our houses, unto the children of Israel, having inherited every man his inheritance. And Moses said, in verse number 20, If you will do this thing, if you will go armed over before the Lord, before the, before the Lord to war, and will go all of your armed over to Jordan before the Lord until he hath driven out of his enemies before him, and the land shall be subdued before the Lord. Then afterward ye shall return and be guiltless before the Lord. He says, nah, there's some conditions. You want the lamb? Fine. That's, good. That's okay. God's for it. I'm for it. We're for it. But you got to go fight. You got to go fight. If you've ever read the book of Deuteronomy, all right, you ought to read it sometime. It's a great book. Deuteronomy. God tells them, the people of Israel, I will bless you. If you observe to do all that is written therein. He places conditions on things. He places conditions on us. And we've got to see that. That yes, the promises of God are yea and amen. But we also have got to see this is that God promises things but oftentimes he establishes a condition that goes along with it. He says, no, I'll do this, but you've got to do this. A great verse is a verse we oftentimes quote. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understandings. What's the next verse say? Verse 6. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. You know, that's a promise with a condition. That is a conditionally promised promise right there. A conditional promise. I will direct you in all your ways if you acknowledge me in all your ways. If you don't acknowledge me, God is not bound to direct you. He may still do it by His own sovereign grace, amen, and His providence. But in all thy ways, acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy well, I'm okay with God directing me here and here and here, but I don't know about God directing me here. 
I kind of got to still have a hold on that one. Don't know if I can trust God on that one. Well, he's under no obligation to direct you then. That's conditional. In his grace, he may do it. I'm just saying tonight that if you're going to have faith in God and trust God for what, for what the results are, then you've got to see that your faith's going to be tested and there's going to be conditions that are placed upon your faith. Number, number two, number two, not only do we see a thought corrected, but secondly, we see this, we see a truth confirmed. A truth confirmed. And the truth is this, is that those that who would share in the inheritance must engage in the conflict. That's not original with me. Another preacher said that. Those that will share in the inheritance must engage in the conflict. In this warfare, this warfare that he tells them to go, he says, go armed before the Lord. And that is what we are to be doing. If we're going to engage in a faith, uh, a life of faith, then we've got to be prepared to stay the battle. To do the Word of God, to make sure that we are in the warfare. To obtain the possession, we must go armed before the Lord. Life, life, life is a scene of conflict. Going back and forth. Paul said this, 1 Corinthians 9.26, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the, beateth the air. Listen, we're not out here just kind of waving a sword with our eyes closed. Amen? All right? No, if you're going to fight the fight of faith, then you're going to have to come at some certainties in your life, some things that are some specifics in your life. And say, no, that's not going to exist anymore. No, that's not going to happen in our house anymore. No, that's not going to happen. I'm, not, I'm done with that. I, I, he says, I don't run and I don't, and I don't fight uh, like, like, like I'm beating the air. You know, a boxer that's successful doesn't just dance around the ring. All right? He's got to throw a few punches. Okay? A runner does not run except he runs in the lanes. He doesn't just kind of flail around, you know what I mean, and just kind of do whatever he wants to do. Uh, he's disqualified. There's conditions to be met. Say, so I, I want to follow God. Well, there's conditions to be met within the Word of
watching soap operas, amen? Hey, hey, hey look, no, nobody, nobody, nobody says, says, nobody ever, nobody that's successful in life, I don't care what success it is, just does nothing to be successful. I mean, this is basic principle, okay? And if you're going to be successful with God, you know what you got to do? You got to put on the suit. And you got to say, you know what? I want the land, I want the blessings of life, all right? I want a wife. I would like to have some children. I would love to have a spouse. I, I, I would love to. I would love to be married one day. I, I'd love to. I'd love to win somebody to the Lord, like Cha Cha did, or whatever his name. I can't remember what his name was. You know, I was making fun of John. Now I messed it up. So, man, uh, I would love to live, win somebody to the Lord. Well, listen, you're not going to win somebody to the Lord sitting on your couch. Okay, you got to find somebody. You got to talk to somebody got to be available there's a there's a there is an enemy out there that's ready to kill us but too often times there's christians that forget there's a war like that was against canaan there's a war out there he says you need to go fight before the lord paul wrote these words in his last epistle he said but watch thou in all things Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be ready to be offered. My time of departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, he says, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not me only, but unto all of them that love his appearing. Listen, we sometimes talk about blessings, and we talk about marriage and kids and finances, all those kinds of things. But listen, my friend, there is a much greater blessing and reward that awaits those that follow faithfully with God in heaven that does not fade away. Amen? Amen. Listen, we're not married in heaven. Okay? Let me go, I'm going to be married. I can't wait to be with my, my you know, I'm not saying you're not going to know people. I'm, you're going to know folks, okay? But you're not going to be married. Jesus, Jesus laid that out real clear. And he said, I don't want to get into all that, but he did, Okay? He said, you're not, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not the same, okay? All right? In heaven, there's, there's greater stuff. There's greater reward. There's a crown of righteousness. There's a crown of life. There are things in heaven that we're going to be able to lay at Jesus' feet. How is all that going to look, preacher? I don't know. But I know this, it's greater what this world is right now is where moth and rust doth corrupt, but up there, moth and rust doth not corrupt, and thieves do not break through and steal. Okay? Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Moses is telling these folks, these, this Reuben, Gad, and half-tribe of Manasseh, he says, listen, guys, you aren't going to go over there on the other side of Jordan and sit down and take it easy and, 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 and raise your cattle and raise your kids and love on your wife and raise your vineyards while your brothers are over here fighting. You're not going to do that. That's not, that's not, that ain't going to fly. Okay? If you're not willing to fight, then come over here with us. That's a good mentality for us all to have. Is that we've got brothers and sisters that are in the fight, that are following after Jesus Christ, and we can't say, you know what, I just really don't want to do anything. I'm not really good. No, have you fought a good 
fight, fought a good fight. Listen, I said it last week. We're not here just to sit, soak, and sour. Amen? That's not what we're here to do. We're here to tell somebody about Jesus. We're here, to, we're here to help somebody. We're here to minister to somebody. We're here to disciple somebody. We're here to help somebody else. Thirdly, we see a warning applied. A warning applied. In verse number 23, we see the warning. He tells them, he says, if you'll go over and help your brothers, he says, you will be blessed and you'll have your possession. But here it is in verse 23. It's the phrase I spoke to you about earlier. He says, but if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord. And be sure your sin will find you out. The sin that brings punishment, the warning of pride is this, is that sin brings punishment. And those that think, those who think to sin with a license under the dispensation of mercy will find themselves fearfully disappointed. Be sure your sins will find you out. No impression seems more common than the hope of escape about sin. But there is none more in error than to think that I will escape it. Some think they can stop at sin at a certain point. Others think they can skillfully conceal their transgression. So that they might repent in time. (laughs) One author said, sinning on a plan is not a good plan. That's like some of these people that try to say, let's accure more debt in hopes that I will get out of debt. How stupid is that, right? I knew a guy in Tennessee, he thought the way to get rich was to everybody had to be a million dollars in debt. That was what he thought. A million dollars in debt. Man, I don't don't know about that. I'd be stressed to the max. (laughs) Going the wrong way, yeah. Yeah. You're going further into the red. We see this played out in a couple of ways. There's a certain connection between crime and punishment. There's a natural consequence with sin. The interval may be long, but the result is certain. The man who is disrespectful to his parents may be visited by equal irreverence of his own children. Jacob deceived Isaac and later on was deceived by Laban and Leah and even his own sons. Agag had made, his, had made mothers childless and was slain by Samuel, and his mother became childless. It's natural consequences. Be sure your sin will find you out. There's natural consequences to sin. There was a, uh, a story of a man that was on a uh, boat, and they, the men thought they'd play a trick on the, on the man. And as they were sailing, he had fallen asleep down below. And one of the men slipped a handcuff around him. 
And they put that handcuff around him and they, they locked it down and he fell asleep. In fact, he fell asleep almost till they got to the harbor. And when they got in the harbor, they, they, he tried to get out and all his buddies were laughing at him and uh, carrying on. And, but all of a sudden, it wasn't too funny because nobody could find the key to unlock the handcuffs. Soon, the, uh, if you want to call them, immigration came down. And they were looking around and they said, hey, it's time to get off the boat. All the guys got off the boat and left, his, left their buddy there handcuffed. One guy stayed back and said, no, we're just playing a joke. And they said, no, no, no. They said, they said the only person that ever gets in these right here are people that are prisoners. They said, no, no, this is, not, this is a joke. This is a joke. He said, no, no, no. He said, he said I'm going to have to take this up with, my mag- with somebody a little bit higher than me. And he went to somebody a little bit higher than him. And he said, I, I don't know about this. This kind of seems a little fishy. I mean, nobody, nobody just gets put in the jail. Nobody just does this. Nobody, nobody just gets handcuffed for no reason. I mean, this, is, this seems to be important right here. And they said, they said, well, I don't know what to do. They said, well, let's take him to somebody a little bit higher than this. So they escorted the man off the, off the boat over the galley down 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 the road to get the whole thing resolved all everybody was there as witnesses and a man stepped out of the crowd looked directly at the man who was in the arms in the custody of the police and he said said this is the man we have been looking for for 13 years who murdered my brother it's all played out the evidence was put forth and it was true Be sure your sin will find you out. What turned into a joke was no longer a joke. The man that was in cuffs was right to be there. There's also God-given retribution. God was so angry with the wicked one time that he drowned the whole world. There's God-given retribution Their sword shall enter into their own heart and their bows shall be broken, the Lord says. There's guilty nations. The Jews crucified our Lord and just 70 years, and just, just 35 years later, they were being crucified by the Romans in their, in, under a siege. The Roman emperors persecuted the Christians and they themselves met their untimely deaths. Spain founded the Inquisition and she has, and she has sunk herself so low now. Persecuted, France persecuted the Huguenots and she, is now the, she, is, she became the hotbed of revolutions. I'm just saying that sin will find you out. Look at the Bible. Look at Cain. Look at Joseph's brethren. I mean, isn't that a great illustration of sin will find you out? 30 years later, Gehazi, Achan, David, all of them. God was, no, God was no respecter of persons with some of the greatest men of God. Moses himself tried to hide a man in the sand. And guess what? Even his Pharaoh's status would not save him. He had to flee the country and spend 40 years on the backside of the wilderness. Be sure your sin will find you out. Just like he told them it would. Be sure. He'll find you out. A personal application to be made. A follow through faith is what we all need. Do we have a faith to ask God for the impossible? 
One preacher said, if you're not asking God for something impossible, you're not truly testing your faith. If all you're doing is what you can do, then we're not fully trusting in the Lord. I'm glad I serve a God of the impossible. Jesus beheld them and said, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Are you meeting the conditions of your faith? I want God to bless my marriage, okay? Are you submitting to your husband? Are you loving your wife? I really want God to bless my work, okay? Are you submitting yourself to your employer? Are you paying your employees? Do you defraud anybody? There's conditions to be met, amen? I want the Lord to supply all my needs, like Philippians 4.19 says. Well, do you realize that's actually a conditional verse that goes along with giving and helping others? In the gospel ministry and helping, I want God to use me to win souls. Then are you telling somebody? Are you picking somebody up? Hey, I bet you there's somebody out there that needs a ride to church. Find them. Bring them here. I want my kids to love the Lord. All right? Then read Deuteronomy chapter number 6. And what does it say? It says that you, as a father, and you at the home, the home is to be the number one place of learning about God. Do that. I want to possess the blessings of God. Are you sitting on the couch? Are you in the fight? Follow through on your obedience. Follow through on your promises. Help others to follow through. Don't regard sin. Follow through on your faith. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Be sure your sin will find you out. It does every time. It does every time. Make sure you're following God. Children, man, how many times? It's like my mom or my dad knew. It's like they knew I was doing something wrong. You know? Hey, be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure. Be sure. A follow-through faith. You're not going to make a shot in basketball the majority of time if you don't have any follow-through. You're not going to hit a ball straight in golf if you don't have a follow-through. You're not going to have success in those sports. Our faith in the Christian life is not just, I believe in Jesus, and that's it. No, we ought to be building upon our faith. Amen? Building and building. And building. Not so that we can grow tall and look bigger and better than everybody else. No. So that we can come along and build somebody else up in the faith. And build them. And help them. And walk with them just like the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh did with their brethren. They already had the land. They already had their possession that God gave them. But now it was time for them to fight and help out their brethren. 
help them out. Moses said, if you don't help them, he said, you better be careful. Your sin will find you out. May God help us to follow through on the faith that God has given to us. Father, we're thankful for the word. We pray that, Father, you please would help us, Lord, to look to you in it and to follow you and have a follow-through faith that, Lord, you'd be pleased with. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.